0: Soccer, soccer. Hello, hello, hello and thank you so much for pressing play on the latest edition of the Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. Your somewhat weekly dip into the world's game being played right here in the Great Lakes State. how's it going? My name's Robert Kerr. your' host of the program uh, once again. I uh, hope everybody had a good holiday season and a happy new year. Uh, I got lots of gifts, uh, most of them good, but I got myself a case of the COVID, so uh, please excuse my uh, lack of a haircut here. It's like the the olden days of 2020 uh, up here. Had to cancel a lot of plans, including a a visit to the barbershop, but no worries, we got uh, lots of good stuff on the show this week. It is... uh, first week of january so we are in indoor soccer season so the current uh, events playing lots of stuff going on even though we are in the cold season there's some futsal going on uh, rapid city fc out in grand rapids um their second season kicked off uh, just before the new year they uh, won the uh, Major League Indoor Soccer uh, Championship in their debut season, and they kicked it off right uh, in their debut of their second season. They beat the Ohio Extreme twenty-five to two. The Muskegon Muskegon Risers are well underway in the uh, M Major Arena Soccer League Two. Uh, they have a game coming up this weekend. Uh, also this weekend, Detroit City FC women are getting underway in the PASL uh, on Saturday at the Detroit uh, City Fieldhouse. So plenty of boarded indoor action going on here in Michigan. Um, speaking of city related things, we got a very fun and exciting uh, feature interview in the program this week. The brand new incoming men's head coach, Danny Dicchio, joined me this evening. And we had a great conversation talking about his move to Detroit, what uh, the job means to him. Um, A little bit of background and some stories from his playing career. So a very pleasant conversation with him. Before we jump to our conversation with Danny Dicchio, please give us a follow at MI Soccer Central, across all the major social media platforms. Uh, Check out uh, this show. We got over 130-something episodes now on uh, all of your favorite audio um, platforms. And then also uh, check out, uh, uh, we are putting our YouTube episodes up. We are partnered with We Are Soccer. So uh, this episode, likely, if you're watching it, It's on the We Are Soccer YouTube channel. So hang on in there. I'm very excited to present our feature interview this week with Detroit City FC's head coach, Danny Dicchio, here on the Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. Welcome back here for this week's feature interview. I'm very lucky to be joined by a man whose storied playing career spanned about 15 years and multiple continents, starting off at Queen's Park, Rangers in the UK, making stops at clubs like Sunderland, West Brom, Millwall, with some side quests in Italy at Sampdoria and Lecce. He wrapped up his career stateside as a member of the fledgling and newfounded Toronto FC. He wrapped up his playing career and kicked off his new career, in management there spending 10 plus years at Toronto last few years at Sacramento Republic is a very successful assistant coach and is now Detroit City FC's brand new head coach thank you for joining me Mr. Coach Danny Diccio thank you for joining the Michigan Soccer Central podcast sir
1: thank you for having me on no really looking forward to it looking forward to the new year happy new year to everyone um can't wait to get started
0: yeah, first podcast of the new year. Thank you for uh, joining and kicking us off strong here on the program. Um, I understand you're not quite here yet. You're going to be here in Detroit in just a few weeks. Uh, you're wrapping up things in California from what I understand.
1: Yeah, just just kind of um, tying up stuff and, um, you know, just getting rid of some some loose ends and and some bits and pieces that I have to do before moving back to uh the East Coast um the family are going to stay here for a little bit longer but I'm I'm coming in next Wednesday uh full time um so as well as preparing the team having to look at places for a new house where the family join me in 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 uh, late spring so looking forward to to getting into Michigan look, looking forward to, to getting preseason started um but just Getting in the last bits of uh, that California warm weather in in the winter before I head back to um, the cold. But I heard it's not been that too too bad at the moment in in Michigan.
0: No, it was not a white Christmas here, and it wasn't until this week where it actually got cold. But and it, it really hasn't been that serious just yet. So maybe uh, Michigan winter is waiting for you to join yeah, yes. us. Uh, for
1: sure, yeah. <laughs>
0: but you spent a decade plus in Toronto. I'm I'm sure it gets pretty gnarly up there.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm used to it. The the six foot snow and the minus 10 minus 15. Yeah. Bring it all on. I'm, I'm, I'm used to that.
0: Compared to the West side of Michigan, uh, there's only a a couple, Detroit area only really gets a couple big snows a year. Okay. Knock on, knock on, (laughs) knock on the wood, not to, (laughs) not to jinx us or anything, but, um, we're here to talk about, uh, your, your new position as head coach of Detroit city FC. Um, I guess uh, what what uh, drew you to Detroit? I mean, this is this is a big jump for you coming from an assistant out at a very successful team. Now, taking the number one spot here, you know, what brought you out here?
1: Well, listen, the last two years at SAC has been really successful um, for the club um, and, and myself in just pushing me on to an understanding of, you know, I think you're ready to be a head coach now. It's always been in the back of my mind prepping myself, just, just getting to know what it actually takes, the ins and outs of of coaching, but also preparing and an understanding of of how to manage a team, but also manage all the personalities and, and egos that are in that team. But um, I think the last two years has, has really given me the confidence and the belief um, that I'm ready. Um, I feel I'm at the right age. I feel I've had the right foundation in the last... Uh, 12 years or so in, in preparing me for this. And as I said, I, I can't wait to get started. It's a, a, a big job that, that I have on my hands, but uh, a job that I'm really relishing.
0: Uh, at your unveiling at the Detroit City Fieldhouse in uh, mid-December, you referenced uh, a couple stories from when you came as a visiting coach. Uh, what is it? Uh, are you really looking forward to going from that away dressing room to the the home one?
1: Yeah, I mean, going back to the story, it was a a real eye-opener for me coming to Keyworth for the first time. And you hear a lot of stories, and I think they're a little bit um, unfair about Detroit. I really do. Um, so we were coming into Detroit uh, with Sacramento a couple of years ago, and Detroit had come into the league, and they had such a a, a great home record. We knew that the, the atmosphere was electric, um, but we, we didn't really know what the stadium was like itself. So we turned up on the first day. We managed to train on the Friday, the day before the game. And we turned up at Keyworth and there was all these school kids that were on the field. And it was like sweaters on the ground, empty bottles of water and drink. And we were like, what's going on here? Is, is this the right place we've turned up to? And... We actually had a good little bit of banter with some of the kids who were telling us that we'd have to wait to get on and train. And we were kind of telling them, no, we're a professional team. It's, it's our time to train. And they were like, no, we have to finish the game. And um, we had a, a good back and forth banter with with those kids there. But um, I think we were kind of struck as what's going on here. And then when we turned up for the game on a Saturday, the whole stadium had just been lit up and and kind of, remodelled in a way to to kind of mirror a lower league English, maybe division two, you know, division three stadium. And we were super excited about playing there that just sitting in the locker rooms, hearing the fans walking above us and outside the locker room and just the close proximity of of the supporters and everyone around the the stadium getting ready for the game was a real highlight for me and, and, and kind of really reminded me of being back home in England. So, That was a big pull for me. Um, We we were lucky to get the the win that day. We got a a good 2-0 win. I think it was one of the first um, away victories at Keyworth for a long, long time because they had such a good record there and we were happy to get the result. But it was uh, a good eye-opener for me in the sense that this is something that you can really be proud of and something unique within the league. And I spoke about how many other clubs within the USL Championship and League One would pay a lot of money to have that week in week out at at home stadiums. And I think it's very natural and organic that we have that at Detroit and we need to really use that to our advantage this year. And I know they've done that in the last two years, but we need to push it on even more because as I said, there's a lot of teams that would, would pray for, for having an atmosphere and, and seats in the stadium filled like we do at at Keyworth. Yeah,
0: it is a pretty, uh, um, laudable how the club is able to turn that community stadium into uh, what it is on a game day it's kind of a night and day experience between a a weekday and a match day there how they how they dress it up and you said it it looks kind of like a second or third uh, division um, spot in the UK and for those not familiar with your playing career what divisions did you play most of your playing trade
1: so i was lucky enough to to play in in the premier league for for most of my career and then championship um which is the second tier in england for for a small part of it as well um i was lucky enough to play for some big clubs as well with with big fan base um that were very community driven as well so i was happy with that and i think again that brings that that kind of similarity to what we have at detroit the uniqueness um, the authenticity of of a locally driven community club. A lot of people in the stadiums that, are very knowledgeable about the game. Um, even as an away staff sitting on the bench, the hecklers behind us, and even the crazy gang over the, the the far side were were giving our players a lot of stick that day. But all in good stead, you know. So I, I think that environment, that atmosphere was was what I was kind of pining for since I've been into North America. And we had it a lot at Toronto FC in the in the early days, in the expansion days. And Again, I think in MLS as well, there's a lot of clubs that would really, really love to have that. You were uh,
0: a player on, on day one for Toronto FC, correct?
1: Correct, yes. I was there in the expansion year in 2007. Um, again, a, a very um, blue-collar town, uh, a lot of... Uh, different eclectic mixes of, of uh, nationalities in Toronto. I'm sure you know, whether it be European, African, Central American, Southern American. So they've been pining for a professional club in, in that city for a long time. And, and when it eventually came, um, I was very fortunate to be a part of it. And the first game where I got my first goal at uh, Toronto was is, is a game that I'll take with me to my grave because it was just such a great occasion and memory getting our first goal getting our first win as well um and uh you rarely get that in in north america so to be a part of that was 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 a dream come true for me
0: i can imagine uh I, is that true also you you scored the first goal and got the first red card for toronto
1: correct correct and um it was only afterwards in in the kind of press media scrum that i Learned about a certain legend that uh, is very big in Detroit as well, and that was Gordy Hal. Um, and one of the the journalists in the scrum asked me, said, "Hey, Danny, uh, great game! Um, did you know you scored the Gordy Hal hat trick today?" <laughs> and I kind of stuttered a little bit, and I said, "Who's Gordy Hal?" Because I'd never heard of him in soccer in football, so. The goss from the, the the journalists around me at the time were were kind of very, very loud. And uh, I kind of realized in that- In Canada, I'm, right? Yeah, in Canada as well. I realized that I made a bad mistake. And I was like, oh, this guy must be a legend of some kind. And they said, no, no, this is Gordie Howe, the the, the ice hockey player. And I think it was a goal, a fight, and an ejection was, was the old Gordie Howe hat trick. And I've seen recently that they're, they're uh, developing- the Gordie Howe Bridge somewhere is it in in Detroit? Uh,
0: yeah, just south of the city, because there's only one bridge to Canada in the city, and so they're they're adding a brand new second one named after him.
1: Okay, that's that's fantastic. Yeah, so that's that's kind of my Gordie Howe story um, from my first game in Toronto, and I'm sure I upset a few people and fans, but uh, I think they just put it down to my English um, knowledge of ice hockey.
0: yeah that that, that's a that's definitely uh a badge of honor um bringing it back to keyworth though i was kind of curious about um the style that you kind of uh uh bring with you and and what the dimensions of keyworth stadium might impact uh those plans
1: well the the thing is with keyworth is i think it's such a uh a small field as it is and it's a really tight, tight field. So I've I've spoken to a lot of coaches throughout my, my time. And I I also research a lot of um, interviews and, and listen to people about speaking on developing a style of play, playing a certain way on whatever field you're playing on, whether it's a small field, a big field, um, an artificial field, a grass field, bad conditions. I think, you have to have a certain style of of play um, and behaviour, the way your team wants to play. I think it's adjustable and flexible due to either conditions or the opponents. But I think your principles have to stay the same uh, throughout. And and that's something we're going to be working on in the early weeks of of our preseason. Is just getting the players to understand how we want to be with and without the ball. We definitely want to try and and give the players a little bit more confidence in possessing the ball, especially when playing out of the back. But also, giving them the the autonomy to make those decisions and and what they see in front of them. I'm I'm not a joystick coach where I'm I'm dictating them what to do when they get on the ball. But we will work on certain plays and certain actions with the systems we're playing in that will give those guys the decisions that are on the ball. Or, Players in front of them to be making that movement in 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 front of them as well to help them with those decisions.
0: Obviously, uh Trevor James, the coach, now a GM. Um, did you have any kind of relationship with him before uh, this job? Or did uh you know it all start with him reaching out with uh this position?
1: No, I, I knew of Trevor from from his galaxy days when he came over with um with David Beckham. Um I knew that um he was a guy that had a lot of vast knowledge and and just speaking to him whenever we we kind of crossed paths, it was normally just pretty cordial and hello, how are you doing, and stuff like that. Um so there was no real um relationship prior to to us um talking about the job. Um he actually reached out to our our GM and president uh, Todd Donovan, who he was actually with at LA Galaxy back in back in the day, and and Todd was another player that I played with from my days at Toronto FC. So he kind of made the connection there, and he he set up a phone call and just asked about my interests about becoming a head coach and and the reasoning why.
0: Yeah, so um, you, your number one job, um, uh, first uh, head coaching spot at this level, like what does this uh, job mean? uh, you know for your career
1: I think it's a big um, opportunity for me Um, I feel that I'm ready for this opportunity I think Detroit is the perfect club for for my next step into where I want to eventually get to and hopefully um, I can coach at the highest level possible that's what I really want to do one day but I see this um, as an opportunity for me to really um, step into uh, my own coaching philosophy, which I want to play attacking football, I want to play aggressive football, um, I want to score goals, I want to entertain the crowd, which I think every coach wants to, but there's a certain structure and system of play that that we have to abide by. and. This is going to be a big plan of of mine, um, whether we play a certain system and formation that is going to be different for the Detroit fans to to see. Um, but for me personally, this is me stepping out of my comfort zone a little bit in being an assistant coach, but stepping into the fire now of being a head coach and being responsible for the actions of 20 to 22 players, but also for the results on and off the pitch with Detroit city FC, it, it lies with me at the end of the day. And that's, that's what I've taken on. And I know it's a, a, a big quest of uh, for me, but also a, a great opportunity that I'm super excited about.
0: From what you're saying, it sounds like you're, you're definitely willing uh, to be flexible uh, with how you're doing things like a, uh, what was the the kind of the, the best style or the most success as an assistant that you enjoyed uh, your teams playing in when when you were an assistant coach? How did you like the team that you were working on to play?
1: Well, we had a, a really good group of players for the last two years at Sacramento, and a, a big part of um, me joining Sacramento was was helping Mark Briggs in totally restructuring the team that he had 3 years ago and 4 years ago where they struggled a, a little bit to 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 get into the playoffs and, and Mark had asked to to help with the recruitment of players um in bringing in new talent um talent that that I've obviously scouted in league 1 um talent that we we've been kind of recommended from Europe as well and it was a real eye-opener to me because we can see the talents of players, whether you're watching them on, on a screen, whether you're watching them live. But the big part for us in in rebuilding that Sacramento team was bringing in the right characters, bringing in the right personalities. So speaking to these players in interviews, on the phones, really trying to get a good grasp of of who they were as a person, first of all, speaking to ex-coaches, teammates of these players that we were bringing in was a massive help to us. And I think that was a real um, big push for our success in bringing in the right characters. And that was something that Mark had spoken to me about that he felt that they didn't have um, in the previous three or four years that he started coaching with Sacramento.
0: Is that the the same sort of thing? Do you think that uh, you foresee a big turnover in the squad here in Detroit moving in here?
1: Well, there's certain factors, Rob, where players are on um guaranteed contracts or options have been taken up already. But I, I really feel that there's also a good base of of players that are already here, a good foundation of, of guys that have kind of played together over the past two or three years. And let's let's not forget this this is a team, a group of players that have come up from the lower leagues to the professional league and have held their own. So any coach coming into a group of players that have done so well um, and trying to blow it up would be crazy in my mind. Um, I think there's a lot of change that we can bring in, but again, going back to how we developed the, the, the squad at Sacramento, it has to be the right personnel that we're bringing in as well, Rob. So it has to be the right position, the right personality, the right demeanor. I've spoken to certain players already, numerous players that they're hesitant about coming to Michigan or to Detroit, and I haven't even got into talking about football with them and with them. And it's it's an instant no for me straight away. If you're not wanting to come to Detroit to play football, then I'm not even going to talk about football with these guys because a, a big part of our club value and, and philosophy is you're representing the club, the city and, and the community. And if you're hesitating about coming to live in Detroit, then I'm sorry, I don't care how good of a player you are. We don't want you or I don't want you to be part of this team. So there's a good group here already. And I feel that we're going to bring in four to five new players. Trevor's done an excellent job in the off season in, in already maneuvering with a couple of deals that we're probably going to announce in the next two or three days. And the fans will see a, a real um, tweak that will help this group push on even further, I think.
0: So that's interesting that there's there's some players that you talked to that uh, were hesitant about Detroit. Were those uh, uh, domestic players or internationals that had uh, Detroit hesitancy?
1: They were actually domestic players, Rob, which, which kind of... It didn't worry me, but it frustrated me because I think there's this misconception of Detroit, and there was another big part of me wanting to come to Detroit because when we were in Detroit two years ago, which I spoke about at Keyworth, we were actually staying downtown, and and I'd had numerous walks downtown and and walked around where all the obviously the the Tigers Stadium is and and that area around Jefferson and and. They've actually renovated the city in a really great way, and I think it's only gonna keep improving with the money that's being invested in the city. And the people want uh, the the reconstruction to be super nice and keep its character, and and I'm all for that. And that really impressed me when I when I was in town two years ago, and it impressed me again when I brought my wife into town just before Christmas. And we we both felt this this has. A great energy about it this city um we felt that this is a, a city that we're willing to bring our family to and be part of
0: that's very exciting and uh that's interesting uh at the there's a with what's uh going on with uh the lions what happened there and then just it's a cliche in general the detroit versus everybody uh um yeah uh, that's funny that uh, that that's probably still still valid from what you're saying that uh, there is a hesitancy or a bit of a uh, um uh, what do you call it a uh, uh, preconceived notions uh, about Detroit that still exists and then within the player pool so that's interesting so you've already faced some uh, some adversity uh, and and you haven't even gotten into town yet
1: for sure and I think that's part of it and I've spoken to Trevor about it as well when you're trying to compete with certain markets in bringing players in, whether it's USL clubs that have been around for a long, long time, Rob, that have, um, you know, a a stadium, a fan base, a training facility, um, can obviously offer a little bit more money, um, and you're trying to compete with those markets, it's tough. But again, it goes back to the personality and the character of, of the players? Do they want to come and play first-team football? Do they want to be part of a group of hungry players that are playing in front of 7,000 crazy fans and supporters week in, week out that love the community, love the club and feel real pride in representing it? Or do you want to go somewhere where there may be a, a smaller market but you have kind of all the lavish details of of a nice locker room, training ground and stuff like that? that's up for the player to decide and I'm never going to step in the way of that but that's not for that's not the type of player I really want to work with
0: uh amongst your stops uh what was the favorite locker room you were a part of or it and in um a second part it might they might overlap but what's a, a locker room you'd like to emulate that you were in
1: great question I mean I've been in a lot of good locker rooms, but I think my time up at Sunderland was probably one of the the most successful times in my career. And it stemmed from having a a real players manager in charge. His name was Peter Reid, coached at Everton, coached at Man City, uh, sorry, played for Everton, played for England in the World Cup. He was part of that England team where Diego Maradona ran through the England defense and scored that unbelievable goal. And I I used to give him stick because he was the midfielder that was meant to be keeping up with uh, Maradona at the time. But a real players manager and and a guy that knew how to control different personalities and keep not only 1 to 11 happy in the roster, but also 12 to 20 happy. The, The guys that aren't playing that much, guys that are probably not the main starters and I thought he had a, a a really good grasp of that along with his staff so that was probably one of, of the best guys that I played under and the most successful teams I played with we finished seventh in the Premier League two years on the truck
0: and so is that something that uh, you hold into your like, kind of coaching mantra trying to emulate something like that
1: yeah big time um I feel I'm a player's coach Rob I feel I'm a guy that knows how to respond to different personalities and characters. I know when a player needs an arm around the shoulder and there's something else going on in his life that that's not connected to football. Um, I'm not saying I'm I'm a shrink or anything, but I feel that I have a good understanding of getting the best out of players from from different backgrounds, different personalities, as said. Um And that's a big part of how we're going to build this this new culture with this new group that's coming in to help assist the the already existing group that they've done so well at Detroit.
0: As part of your playing career, uh, were you um, kind of a like a more of a technical player? I saw that you played for Millwall, and they have a a reputation of being a bit rough and tumble. Like, kind of where do you uh, land on that balance between uh, technical and uh, physical play?
1: well i i was a a big striker um so in in the old days in england uh the 442 formation was apparent with with most teams and most teams had a really big striker and a smaller striker that just ran around underneath him and fed off all the scraps and and that was me the big guy kind of taking the hits and the blows and and kind of assisting and laying off balls or or setting up Certain players for shots, and and that was my role within the team. Um, but most people that that probably coached me or saw me play would say that I was pretty technical for a big man. The big man usually uses his head or his elbows to to get through games, but I could do that. But I, I much preferred the ball at my feet, and you'll probably see that in in the way that the team will try to play this year in in keeping the ball down on the floor as much as possible, but understanding that there's a time and place when you get in certain areas that we want to put crosses in, that we we will have to play a little bit more direct in the flanks to to get past teams who are pressing us high.
0: Does uh, the narrow pitch reduce or elevate the, the crossing game?
1: I think it reduces it a little bit because it's easier for teams to shift and slide across and, and make the, the the field a little bit more compact. Now, I'm not saying it can't be done because there's certain plays and certain um, movements where you're trying to fix, we call it fixing a team to one side to then switch out to the opposite side. Um, so I think if you have the players that can do that, for sure. And that, that's something we will try to work on because we're hopefully going to have a bigger guy up top this year who is good in the air as well as good with his feet and who will rely on crosses coming from the flanks.
0: You said there's uh, going to be some announcements in the next couple of days with some players. So uh, uh, some things for uh, DCFC fans to, or at least the men's team's uh, fans uh, to, to really be excited about coming up here.
1: Yeah, for sure. And as I said, Trevor's done a, a real good job in, in helping me um, identify certain players that we need. We knew last year that it was a little bit of a problem to to score goals. Um, there were certain games, I think you guys had a record last year for losing 1-0 in a, a lot of games last year. So right. we need to find a good balance because I think there's, there's some really good players already in that attack with the likes of Ben Morris and Maxi who know where the goal is. So now it's just about surrounding them with with a little bit better quality, but helping them um get closer to the goal where they can be more effective. So that's really where we've tried to um improve the squad. Um we have got a, a really nice player coming in from from Europe where which I think the fans are going to be really happy with. Um he's an exciting player. Um and then we've got a, a really experienced guy coming in from from USL who's scored a lot of goals already within the league and i um, hoping to bring out the confidence and I've spoke to him on the phone a couple of times, um, which, which he showed a year or two ago um, and with a team like ours and the way we're going to play, I think we can bring those goals back where he's, he's getting 10 to 15 goals. As a, a player and
0: as a manager, the, these answers might be different, but what is the, the most satisfying type of goal?
1: The ball that goes in the back of the net or the ball that just goes over the line. <laughs> Um, no, I think when you look at different goals, and, and, and even going back to my career, Rob, like I've scored goals. Even my first goal that I scored for Toronto it wasn't the the most prettiest of goals. But if you ask any Toronto FC fan, it was the first goal that, that scored in the history of Toronto FC. So when you're looking back in it 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, they'll just remember that that ball was over the line and, and went in and it was part of our first ever victory. So we can all talk in, in dribs and drabs about, oh yeah, it was a great build up. It was a, a great overlap, great cross, great finish. But yes, that's an exciting way to score a goal. But at the end of the day, whatever gets you the result um, in scoring that goal is is the most important thing. And it's, it is a team um, affair for me in a sense that whenever we score a goal, it's not only the goal scorer that scored that goal. It's, it's it's everyone within the team. That's why you'll see the group celebrate together and and really understand that it is a group thing, a, a, a we that have just scored that goal and not the me.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could score like eighty scrappy goals and be the best team in the league, right?
1: For sure. I mean, look at look at San Antonio two years ago, Rob. They they weren't the prettiest team to watch, but they were efficient in what they did. They were very direct. And you probably that was the of... most
0: American way to play, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. But they, it was efficient to them, and they've got they've got a star on their jersey because they won a championship that year.
0: Very true, very true. Well, all the uh Detroit City FC fans uh listening to this show, I'm sure are excited. Uh, you're gonna be in town here uh shortly, and it sounds like there's gonna be some exciting player announcements, so lots of good things uh ahead for the men's team and um I just can't uh, thank you enough for uh, spending some time. Uh, enjoy your uh, last few days of California sunshine before uh, coming to the Northern Midwest.
1: Yeah, can't wait! Can't wait! I, I got my uh, big jacket ready, my snow boots ready, everything's ready.
0: Yeah, my uh, one of my favorite uh, gifts I got through Christmas were uh, USB uh, warmed slippers. So <laughs> maybe so there's some uh, warming yeah, yeah. slippers uh, in your future.
1: Yeah, I got to invest in some of them as well.
0: All right. Thank you so much, Coach. Uh, Brand new incoming head coach for Detroit City FC, Danny Diccio. Thank you once again. Thank you. So much to this week's guest coach danny diccio love to hear uh his stories of uh past glories as a player and what uh new ideas he's bringing as well as dropping some hints on some uh, exciting players coming to the motor city uh this year i it's funny i remembered him um i lived in england in the 90s and i do remember him uh you know, on the rise with a Les Ferdinand and Queens park Rangers back in the nineties. And then, uh, once he was telling the story, I, I did recall his, uh, his goal, the first ever goal for Toronto FC. So exciting times ahead you feel for Detroit city FC with a new coaching regime coming in. Be sure to follow us at M I soccer central across the social media platforms and, uh, be following along and subscribing and doing all that stuff. We are soccer YouTube channel. So just expanding this, uh, this soccer family of ours. So thank you to Jenny Hajnaki for editing this program. Thank you to you, dear listener. And uh, until next time, everybody, please enjoy your soccer.